We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by DoorDash and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight is my co host, a man with something to say, former NFL defensive back, Eric. Eric, Eric, Eric. Crocker, Crocker, Crocker. What's up, dude? How you doing, man? Yeah, you know what? Robert Newton Louder the fifth. I'm gonna, let you know, I'm gonna let you know how I'm feeling right now. All right. I'm gonna let you know how I'm doing. <laughs> nah, but um <clears throat> on a serious note, I, I did come on here to rant just a little bit, y'all. You know, we 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 heard Rob how upset he was a few weeks ago at certain things, and 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 you know, we we have this platform and, and, and Rob let it out. 
And now it's time for me to just let it out. So bear with me for a couple minutes here, y'all. All right. I want to start by saying the season is not fucking over. All right. <laughs> it's not over. The 49ers are two and two. I get it. Injuries, different things that they have to try to overcome. I understand. But one thing I've noticed, and I don't even know why, but I think the 49ers fan base is kind of spoiled. And I think last year kind of spoiled them. And they kind of lost like, and, and we kind of, we 49er fans get in like this bubble. Like the 49ers are the only team that like goes through anything. You know what I'm saying? There mm-hmm. are several teams around the league that are going, that have to battle through adversity. Typically on his way to the Super Bowl, it's not pretty. It's not always pretty. 49ers last year had kind of, I don't want to call it a cakewalk, but they had a lot of things go their way, and they finished the season 13-3. and They played tremendous all year. They were the best team all year, but guess what? They lost in the Super Bowl. Who'd they lose to? The Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs for a minute. Last year, people don't remember this because, you know, we focus on the 49ers. The Kansas City Chiefs started the season 6-4. and 6-4. and four. It's not, it's not so much about how you start. Yes, you have to kind of get over that hump. And once you get over that hump, like you you have to figure it out. And then you play, you want to play your best football towards the end of the season. Now, 49ers started out hot last year, and they still were playing, you know, lost weird games or whatever, but they were playing really good football against some good competition late in the year. They were playing some really good football, and then that continued on to the playoffs. Had the big game against Seattle, got the monkey off their back. Um this year, they've had to deal with adversity. But I'm going to tell you what the only difference is between the start this year and the start last year, right? And people see, you know, I think about these things, and then it's like it kind of gets in my mind or whatever, and I just start, like, you know, nitpicking or whatever. But anyways, 49ers had a game last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was not pretty. It was not a pretty game. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play very well. Threw a pitch six. Defense looked good, just like they look now, right? Defense looked good. But the 49ers were just able to make a couple plays to overcome really what was a bad outing. They were not a strong team at that moment, right? But 49ers got the win, so people kind of dusted it off. And then, obviously, they handled the the Bengals, right? Just like this year, 49ers dusted it off, and they handled the, the Jets. And then... 49ers handled um, the Giants this year. Well, if you guys remember, and kind of like last year, you know, the the, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers game, the 49ers did not play good football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They did not play good football. They did not play good football against Steelers. They did everything in their power to lose that game. They turned the ball over four times in the first half. Now, the difference between a game like that and a game like uh, against uh, the Philadelphia Eagles is, well, Jimmy Garoppolo, albeit I thought he played very well that game, um, they had some weird things kind of, you know, happen. And at the end of the game, he was able to make a throw to win the game. Well, guess what? Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't out there uh, Sunday. It was fucking Nick Mullins, your backup quarterback, who played well previously in the previous game, but 
He's a backup quarterback, right? Typically, Nick Mullins isn't going to come through in the clutch and make all the throws that you need when the game is on the line. He's not that guy. That's why he's a backup. He went undrafted, all right? So I say all that to say, everybody, in the wise words of Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, relax. There's a lot of football left to go. Yes, I get it. Injuries, little things. But people are panicking, and I'm seeing all this panic. And it's just like, guys, let's chill out for a second. This team, they're just getting started. It, we, they've had rough starts before. They had a rough start last year. They had a rough start. It was masked by some wins, but they weren't playing good football, just like right now. They have up-and-down moments this year. They had up-and-down moments last year. It's two losses. I'm telling you, remember, seven teams make the uh, playoffs this year. Seven teams. Seven teams. If 49ers lost those two games that I told you they, they didn't start off good and they start off 0-3, they still win 11 games last year. You know what I'm saying? Like, the season is not over. Yes, you want to see them uh, start to play better, and I believe that they will. You have a hell of a head coach in Kyle Shanahan. You have a hell of a defensive coordinator in uh, Robert Sala. And they will get these guys going. They'll get it clicking. I never expected it to click early. I tweeted it out by midseason. I said, week eight, you guys will see the 49ers starting to hit on all cylinders. They're not there yet. And they've had some injuries that kind of thrown things off. The season is not over. I said I was going to talk for two minutes. It's been about four minutes. But I hope you guys, hope that gave you guys some kind of like, you know, a little calm, a little relaxed. Don't worry. We look so much into every little thing and react to every little thing and everybody panics. 49ers are fine. They're fine. They're not, they're not in a bad situation yet. They're not a bad team. Defense is actually playing really good. I saw their numbers like top five in the most categories. Like, it's not a bad team. 49ers will be fine. They will be fine. And the offense will really start clicking, and you'll see them start to utilize their receivers more. You got to start seeing all this, just like we saw. We saw it last year. The 49ers will be fine. And I'll leave it at that because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of questions we have to ask. You can <laughs> respond if you like, but that's just – I just see so much panic across Twitter, and it's just like, guys, it's just two games. Relax. They played four games. It's a quarter of the season now. That's it. A lot of football left. Well, and the only – I mean, that was that was super well said. I got I, – there's zero, zero chance I could follow that up with any kind of a, a comparable rant of my own. But the only thing I would say is if you need any context – on how hard it is to win in the NFL with a backup quarterback, just go tune in to the Patriots-New England game from last week. You have one of arguably the greatest head coaches of all time getting blown out and losing a game in, in pretty horrible fashion because he had a backup quarterback in the game. And up until that point, the Patriots had looked pretty damn impressive. And you could even tell in that game that the defense had things kind of figured out. Like, they were holding the Chiefs down for quite a while. But everybody knew, even the announcers, that you can't sustain that against a team like the Chiefs. The problem was they were they had two backup quarterbacks in the game, and not even Bill Belichick and all his knowledge could propel that offense to success against a pretty decent Chiefs defense. So, if you're wondering... 
kind of if or you know i guess better way to say this if you're panicking just know that 95% of the teams in this league will not win games with their backup quarterbacks that's why starting quarterbacks get paid so much money and backup quarterbacks don't and if the backup quarterbacks are that good they're not going to be the backups for very long they're either going to start for that team or they're going to find another team you know so it's it's just i'm right there with crocker in the fact that there's a lot to be that that still needs to happen before you can really judge this team on on what they are or you you know before you can you can you can crown them or whatever you want to do with them you know you, there's still some time before you can do that especially i mean yeah i'm not i'm not going to go i'm yeah. not going to add Point i'm not going to yeah we'll cuz we'll probably some of the things that we want to talk about we'll probably answer within these questions so. right yeah. So yeah, if if you if you didn't already know, today's our mailbag episode. We put me and Crocker put out our tweets earlier today asking for questions. Uh, looks like we got plenty of questions, so we're gonna get into those. Uh, before we do that, we're gonna get a quick uh, we'll get a quick recap of kind of like the news here, uh, the most recent updates from Kyle Shanahan. Nothing too, you know, groundbreaking. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is back at practice, which I guess you could say for this team is groundbreaking. But he is back at practice. He is limited. Um, the team did release some footage of him of him throwing a little bit. He looked fine, but it was just very, very basic warm-up practice throws. So he's not moving around. He's not getting rushed or anything like that. Kyle Shanahan said um, his status for Sunday against the Dolphins was still very much up in the air. It would just depend on how his week of practice went. Um, he, he was also asked if Jimmy Garoppolo can't start. Um who is going to start? And Kyle Shanahan said he has made a decision between Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. But given that they have different skill sets, he's not going to tell us who it's going to be so that that the Dolphins defense doesn't get a leg up in preparing for either or. Um, Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas have both had their ACL surgeries and both were successful, which is good. Uh, the 49ers hope the cornerback Richard Sherman will be back next week, and the hope is that he can play against the Rams next week. So we'll see. I mean, that's you know that's a big get right there. Um, as far as just the overall practice report, uh, let, let me see it right here. I got it right here. You have not taking part in practice. Uh, Dante Johnson, who injured his groin against the Eagles, but gutted it down anyways, considering because he knew how injured the 49ers were at that position. Um, he didn't practice. Emmanuel Mosley, who's still dealing with his concussion, didn't practice. And Jimmy Ward had some problems with his wrist. Apparently it was sore and the soreness wasn't going away. So they uh, they let him sit the day out. Um, you had quite a few people return to practice. Jimmy Garoppolo, Dre Greenlaw, and Raheem Mostert all returned to practice, albeit in a limited fashion. Dante Pettis, Trent Taylor, and Akella Witherspoon were also limited. And then uh, they also, uh, you know, gave the official word that Ziggy Ansa and Kwan Williams are headed on injured reserve. Uh, Kwan Williams for for lesser time because he's got a knee sprain. But um, so that's that's it. I mean, they made a couple roster moves. They signed a couple defensive linemen to the practice squad. Um, uh, Tim Harris was on practice, and I don't think we talked about that. Oh no, you're right. You're right. No, that was yesterday, and we haven't we didn't pod yesterday. So yes, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. The 49ers did release Mohamed Sanu, who they signed as a free agent just a couple weeks ago, and he didn't really do a lot for the team. I think he only had a couple catches. Um, but to me, that was still kind of surprising. But I mean, they're kind of getting a little healthier. 
at that spot now? I don't know. What was your first reaction there, Cry? Um, I mean, I saw most people's reaction on like why him and not, you know, someone like Pettis or Trent Taylor, um, and kind of use that veteran uh experience with Sanu. And I agree, but we've talked about it before. There's just a lot of politics in football. And, you know, for whatever reason, like, you know, this guy, uh, Dante Pettis, he's, you know, it's like a cat, man. He has nine lives. No pun intended. So, yeah, you know, it's just, I I would have released somebody else, but I get it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, too, Sanu might, might very well... Say if somebody goes down this week, he could be available next week still, you know? Like, I don't know if someone is going to be rushing to sign Muhammad Sanu. They didn't rush to sign him when he was released from the Patriots. So that could be the thought process as well, where it's just like, hey, we think he'll just be available and that is somebody you can release. Whereas if you did cut somebody like Dante Pettis, he'd be picked up right away most likely. So that's kind of my thought process on it. Right. Brandon Ayuk tweeted right off the bat after the news. He didn't, he didn't, you know, include any inf- other information in his tweet, but all he tweeted was like in all caps, like, like what, why? Like, that's all he put in there. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The 49ers are, are having to bring in a lot of people uh, to make up for rosters at all sorts of positions. So if they feel like they have somebody um, that might be in the slightest way excess at a position, like they may consider Muhammad Sanu to be, you know, the 49ers are just fine rolling out Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and Kendrick Bourne. They don't feel like they need Muhammad Sanu. And if they know things are going to get tight at another position when with bringing guys in, then, you know, that's kind of how it just works. And like Croc said, there is politics involved. They're not ready to get rid of their, their second-round pick that they traded up for, no matter how little action, you know, he's getting and how little of an impact he's having. They still aren't ready for those kind of optics just yet. Um, that's just kind of how it works. It's not always fair, but it is what it is. And um, so, yeah, let me see. I don't really think there was that much more to talk about in terms. Um, Tim Harris, who the 49ers drafted in the second, seventh round uh, two years ago, um, he, uh, cornerback, he was on practice squad IR. He has now been prom- just restored back to the regular practice squad. And it wouldn't surprise me if he was promoted to the active roster against the Dolphins just to kind of shore up that position. You have so many guys who are hurt. Richard Sherman's still out. Um, Emmanuel Mosley is still out with that concussion. Akella Witherspoon is limited. Kwan Williams is out. So, I mean, they might they might need need some uh, need some help there. So, so we'll see. But um, trying to just make sure there's nothing else I'm missing here. But I think we got it. Obviously, another big news thing was. There's, you know, the, the the COVID kind of impacting the NFL is starting to ramp up a little bit. The Titans have had quite a bit of cases. I think they've had 11. Um, the Patriots actually, you know, have have got some now. Stephon Gilmore, their, their starting star cornerback, uh, apparently tested positive like the day after the game. And uh, if you don't know anything about COVID, you know, there's kind of like an incubation period where technically you can have it. Um, but you won't really manifest the symptoms and you and apparently you won't test positive for it because it's kind of, you know, you have it, but it hasn't started to do its thing yet. And so, you know, you technically these these players could test negative all the way up until the day of the game. And then but they could have it. And, then, you know, then right after the game test positive. So it's a it's a precarious situation. You know, somebody from the Chiefs had it. Somebody from the Raiders has it now. So but I mean, 
that's just going to be the normal for now. It's, I'm assuming it's kind of just going to run its course and we'll see, you know, how many big time players it, it impacts. But, um, you know, right now that the two biggest things that have happened is the Titans and the Steelers game had to get moved to later in the season. Uh, the Steelers had to turn when they were the, the week they were this week when they're supposed to play the Titans, they turned it into a bye week and, um, and the Patriots and the chiefs games actually got delayed from, from Sunday to, to Monday. They ended up playing it Monday night just so they could figure out who, who was going to test positive and who wasn't. So, I mean, it's been a little wild, but we'll see. We'll see if it if they can put a stop in it, or you know, or if it continues to do its thing. But let's let's get into this mailbag. We got we can get to a few questions before I have to get a word in from our sponsors. So let's let's get into it. Let's get into this mailbag. Um, let me go find my my post on the Twitter so I can see your questions. Here we go. All right. All right. Let's start it off with the let's start it off with a good one, because I know Jared was the first one to reply. This one's from Jared Brown at Jared Brown underscore um, a good friend of mine, a uh, friend of the pod. Uh, used to write with me on Niners Wire. He came with me to training camp one time. He's an all around real great dude. Um, I need to pull something up real quick. that's going to help us answer this because it has to do with players on the team that are injured, although I might not need the list to to kind of list this out, but I wanted to, uh, I want to make sure I got it right. So Jared's question is, okay, there's reserve injured. Got it. If you could bring one player back completely healthy and it couldn't be Nick Bosa, who would it be? And why, what do you think Crocker? And that's not including Jimmy Garoppolo or Jimmy Garoppolo too? Well, let's just let's just leave. Well, obviously he, he would be an obvious yeah. answer. So let's let's leave him off just because he's already kind of on his way. Yeah, D Ford. Yeah, I think I think that's the answer. It says in why, but I think the the why is pretty obvious, right? Yeah, you know, what yeah, I mean, I think, just for you know his his biggest issue has been health. You know, it hasn't been ability. Uh, you know, most of the time he's on the field, and especially once he has his feet underneath him, I mean, he's he can he's an impact player. Like there, there might be times where he's not, you know, playing extremely well or being as active as like maybe you know, uh, Nick Bosa, but he's he can flip the game in it in just a snap of a finger with how quick he comes off the edge, and you know he can get to the quarterback. He did force some fumbles last year, so yeah, I'd say definitely uh, D for it. Okay, so since Eric Crocker took D Ford off the table, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurd, not because I think that he will just immediately step in and have the biggest impact. If you know, if you're looking at the list, Richard Sherman's about to come back, so I don't need to choose him. Uh, I, I I looked at Jordan Reed, and I would love to give him just a clean bill of health, just do his damn thing thing because he's looked great. But I'm going to go with Jalen Hurd because that's somebody who, as far as the regular season goes, we have never seen him play for the 49ers other than that one Cowboys game where he looked pretty great and then he uh, he suffered a back injury that basically uh, ruined his, his rookie season and then a, uh, a torn ACL crushed this season. So I would like to bring him back. I want to see what he can do. I want to see what Kyle Shanahan wants to do with him. I'm assuming he'd use him as kind of like a move tight end and the way he was using Jordan Reed. But you're talking about a guy who's 6'5", 230 pounds, that has his most experience at any position is running back. And he just happens to be a pretty good receiver in addition to that. 
So I just would love to see what Kyle Shanahan would do with him and what he'd draw up and what type of plays Jalen Hurd would make. Um, just because we we haven't got a chance to see it yet. So right. that, that's that's my that's my answer on that one. I hope it was yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel that. Was, all right. Um we have let's are the older answers down here. Yeah. John Wittrado at Jay Wittrado. Do you think this game significantly do you think the game, the Eagles game, significantly hurt Nick Mullen's stock? I feel like it did. This should silence all the critics that this is Jimmy's team. What are your thoughts on Mullen's future with the team? Hmm. You want to take this one first, Kron? Well, yeah. Well, one, you kind of have to look at it like, you know, it's just one game. And, you know, as a backup quarterback, like, I don't expect him to come in and always look like he did against the the, uh, Giants. I kind of really expect more of what he looked like against the Jets which was fine, but not, like, great. Uh, so for him to have an off game like last week, and some of them, I mean, his interceptions were just so bad, so bad. But, yeah, I, I don't think it – I think it does more so in the minds of especially fans, and I think, you know, with Kyle is just you can't mess up that badly because he's not good enough to overcome those type of mistakes. Uh, and it kind of leaves the door open for a Beathard, which I've said, like, I think that Beathard is more talented. I think most people agree that he's more talented, but we've seen him play. But, I mean, people want to judge Beathard on him being a rookie quarterback, and he's going to make his mistakes. Like, okay, his first game, like, he's not going to be great, especially if the team around him isn't great, right? And he's going to have his ups and downs. Can he be a good backup? And I think he can be a solid backup. I think he gives you a little bit more than Nick Mullins. I think even when you watch him, like, throw the ball, like, the ball just came out a little better, um, you know, just things like that. Like, you can see why he probably was a third-round pick. And I, now, clearly, if you're a third-round pick, you would like them to be eventually a starter. He won't be that. But I could see how there could – they've been waiting. I think I think Kyle has been waiting for this moment that is like, yes, I can have my guy, C.J. Beathard, and I have <laughs> a reason – to put my guy in here. This is why I kept him on the roster for this very moment. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it has kind of hurt Nick a little bit because it just – his deficiencies just showed so greatly in, in, in that game. But I do – it's one game. It's just one bad game, and he is a backup. But, yeah, it did, it did leave the door open for C.J. Beathard. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think it did hurt. I did think it did hurt Mullen's stock. Um, whatever he is a restricted free agent after this year, so the 49ers will get to choose what round tender they want. I think it's one through three. Each one of those rounds correlates with a slightly higher salary. The higher the pick, um, that's if the 49ers choose to tender him at all. We'll see. There's just a lot of decisions to make. Uh, the 49ers know him better than everybody. They know the person, the practice habits. Um, I think that they'll probably end up putting like a third round tender on him or something, which is if it's not a whole lot of money, we're talking about like, like, like two to 3 million or something. Uh, It's not a lot, but you know, things are going to be awfully, awfully tight for the 49ers next year when it comes to the salary cap. So I I could see them, you know, kind of reconsidering that or, you know, so we'll see. It it could get a little weird for Mullins in the off season. We'll, we'll see, but I'm not really prepared to uh, kind of predict anything just yet. It's just so much that still has to happen. Right. Um, Marvin Gibson at Gibson Future CPA. 
Are you still a future CPA or are you, are you one now? I, I would like to know, Marvin. Um, is Jimmy G practicing in any capacity? That is the only question of importance. Uh, he is. He is. He's, if you go to my Twitter, I posted the little video that the team sent out to, to the reporters. Um, it's just some, some footage from practice. And you can see Jimmy in there uh, dropping back and throwing some passes. So he is practicing. He's limited, but, but we'll see. So it's just, just take it as a positive sign, and he's even out there right now. We'll see if he plays in the game. Um, Boogie Jones at pause one, three, two, six question one. If McGlinchey doesn't improve his pass blocking, is it time to see what McKivitz has Colton McKivitz? Uh, what was he there? Fifth round, sixth round pick. Or what was, where was he at again? Uh, Man, I, talk, fifth round. I talk, I talk about the 49ers too much. Now. Fifth round. Yeah. Fifth round pick one fifty three. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll do that question first. I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I mean Mike McGlinchey's still relatively young. You know he's obviously the type of player you want. You know as far as his 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 demeanor and his attitude. Um, he's obviously going through like a, a rough stretch right now. Uh, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good. He's 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 had some some serious problems. But I mean, you just don't, you know, you don't really just cut bait with a guy that quick. Now, some of his his pressures contributed greatly to the how the game unfolded. They they had an impact. So it, you know, he's on their radar. He's on the shit list. He's he's maybe like, you know, looking at the doghouse. He's not in it, but he's kind of like looking at it, like I mean, like man, I really hope they don't send me over there. But I don't think it's time to put in, you know, a fifth round rookie over your number. 10 or 11, 10 overall, 10, 10, uh, nine, you know, 10. nine. Yeah. Raiders had 10, um, you know, your, your ninth overall pick offensive tackle who, you know, anyways, what do you think, Rock? Yeah. Nah, he, ninth overall pick. They're going to give him time. Like he, he, but if he strings together a couple of games like that, where it just looks kind of ugly and, you know, again, I haven't like, study him or watch him in full, but he got bullied a few enough times where it kind of jumped out to me. I would have to see how he looked over a full game. I know the previous year I, I looked at him early in the season and he was very bad and he improved as the year went on and was really good towards the end of the year. So I don't know if they just like, well, you know, he typically just starts slow and they'll kind of give him the benefit of that doubt. But yeah, no, nah, it, it definitely was ugly. But yeah, I don't think you Again, it's not time to panic yet. You know, you're just four games in and everybody's – there was no preseason. So there are some guys that are still trying to get their feet underneath themselves. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, question two, why why cut Sanu and not Pettis? I think it's time to move on from Pettis and say he's a bust. I'd rather see Poindexter. <laughs> Poindexter is the wide receiver on the practice squad. I don't think he, I don't think he's on the practice squad this year, though. But nah, he has been. Him and did not bring yeah. him back to the Pred squad. Right, right. So, um, so he's he's chilling. I mean, you could you could substitute Poindexter for Jawan Jennings if you wanted to. He's still on the practice squad, a seventh rounder. Um, but you know, even if you were just trying to be funny, we kind of already talked about why you know why they cut Sanu and not Pettis. It, it really is kind of a political thing, and, and and I think the 49ers think that even if they were all the way done with Pettis, I think they, they could get something for him in return in a trade. You know, they have encouraging rookie film that teams can look at. You know, Kyle Shanahan has a case for, you know, we just weren't a great fit. 
personality wise and stuff like that. But I think I really think he could have an impact on another team. And I think there's plenty of teams that would buy that because they've seen it. Um, and it's on film, you know, you even, even this year, you can see him getting open. So I think at the very least, the 49ers feel like Pettis has some value as far as draft stock goes, even if that's like a late round pick. Um, and, uh, and at the same time, he was a second round pick just not too long ago. They don't really just want to move on that fast. I'm sure. But, you know, obviously we already kind of co- covered that one. Um, Ernesto El Guapo at Nesto underscore El Guapo. If Sherm comes back, give Sherm, and this is definitely a Crocker question. If Sherm comes back healthy, how good can he and Brett be? Uh, the combination of those two be the, would be the best way to alleviate the loss of Bosa. What do you think, man? I don't know about alleviate the loss of Bosa. There's not really any replacing Bosa, whether it's with some defensive backs or other, <laughs> but um, I do think it's a nice tandem at least from what I, I haven't studied Verrett from this last game. So his first game was that he played was definitely impressive. I have to check back in and, and see how he looked against the Eagles on, on, on just from, you know, watching the TV copy was really good, but I have to see him actually, you know, all 22 to kind of have a better feel and be as confident with my answer. Right. And just, you know, just the ceiling for Verrett is, is through the roof. It's just, you know, he's always been held back by injuries. So we'll see. He's just got to. He's just got to take it one game. And, and man, in his state, every game that he gets through is a huge success in and of itself. And and the 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 better he plays, obviously, it's still it's still important. But just him getting through games without getting hurt and or or and or getting embarrassed are, are big things with him. So I mean, and he's looked good. So kind of just kind of wait and see on that one. Um, save us, Jimmy, at Phoenix. In Texas, should we start scouting offensive linemen for the draft? Uh, yes, absolutely. I think an offensive lineman in any position could easily be uh, one of the 49ers' top two picks this year. I th- I'm still leaning kind of defensive back, but yes, absolutely. Croc. Yeah, well, they're definitely going to, you know, when you talk about scout. You, yeah, you always do that, but yeah, the, the, but if you're saying like, as far as what we think the 49ers need to prioritize, yeah, I agree. You know, it has to be offensive line and cornerback, as you as you said. Yeah, I mean that you you never really want to draft for need, but when you're a team that that with their salary cap is the way the 49ers is now, you're kind of forced into that position because you need to hit on good players that have cheap salaries. So that's where the 49ers are now. So yes, I definitely expect them to do some very, very intense um, scouting for the offensive line. All right. Nick Arlt at Nicholas Arlt. Hopefully I'm saying your last name, right? Um, given where we are at one quarter of the way into the season, what is your current floor, ceiling, and prediction for the team's final record? Oof, man, that's a good one. That's that's a hard hitter. Um, obviously, I think the floor is, I think the floor is probably like an eight and eight, seven and nine type of season. I don't think that, and that isn't necessarily indicative of a bad team. What a lot of people don't realize is the difference between seven and nine and you know 10 and whatever it is 10 and six you know is three wins and look at the 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 losses that the 49ers have already had super close one to the cardinals 
super close one to the Eagles. I mean, that's already two right there that with maybe a, a one or two less mistakes, the ball could have rolled, you know, dice could have fallen their way. So I think the floor for this team is probably like a seven and nine team, but they are coming up on a really difficult sketch, uh, you know, excuse me, stretch of games. Ceiling? Well, they've already got two losses. Ceiling, I'd probably say, if they just if they just catch on like fire, probably say like twelve and four. Remember, that's a ceiling. That's I'm not saying that's what I believe is going to happen. Prediction, I'd probably say, and I don't want at the risk of sounding negative, I'd probably I'm probably going to go ten and six, and right on the verge of making the playoffs. And that's not really an indictment of the team more than it is a compliment of the NFC West. And what it's gonna and what it's gonna take to make the playoffs in this division. So my prediction is ten and six, and I don't know for sure if they make the playoffs. They added two teams, but the division is so stacked. I don't know, but that's my prediction. Croc, what do you think? Yeah, no, I actually agree with I all, all of what you said. I think the floor is eight and eight. Um, I just have too much respect uh, and such a high opinion of the coaching staff to believe that they'll do anything worse than eight and eight. Uh, Ceiling, like you said, around 12 games. You know, if you told me they only lost two more games the rest of the way, they just caught fire and they played really good football, I definitely could see it because, again, I have a high opinion of the coaching staff. And what I predict, again, like you said, 10 and 6, just because, you know, there are going to be games that you just fall. But I, I think the team is is going to be in good shape. Uh, maybe not the one seed, right? Like, you know, when you're trying to overcome guys like Nick Bosa um, not playing, you know, sometimes you, you know, you have to deal with some different things. It's kind of hard to overcome that, but uh, yeah, they're still going to be really good. I think toward coming mid season, they're going to really be clicking and until then they'll figure out ways to win games. So yeah. I really like what I think the 49ers will be. I think they're going to be hot going into the playoffs. I agree. I agree. All right. Good opportunity to get a quick word in, word in, warden, get a quick word in from our friends over at DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food's going to be left safely outside your door with the new contact del- contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are also still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food's on the way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. All one word, $5 off on your first order with DoorDash. And don't forget, going in there and using that code, code door, I, I can't speak English today, excuse me, uh, using that code, door, that uh, that blue wire code, that like directly supports us and our network. So don't hesitate to punch that in there. Make it happen. Um, even if you got to make, even if you already use door, DoorDash, make a new account, get your, get your money, get your money. <clears throat> All 
But anyways, I thought it was funny. I text Crocker about it. But I told that whole Ike story <laughs> on Tuesday, and they left <laughs> the ad music playing the whole time because I, I didn't realize that I had, I had you know, my Ike story was very much a DoorDash story. So it kind of just seemed like my own personal experiences with DoorDash. But I thought it was so funny that I told like this five-minute story about Ike's, and it was all <laughs> with the ad music behind it. I was like, eh, whatever. It works. Send me, send me my check, DoorDash. Anyways, where we at? Mailbag. Okay. Um, Tim, at Two Crazy Mofos. There's two of you? There's two on this Twitter account? Two Crazy Mofos? Okay. All right. Let's see what their questions is. See, there is two questions, too. Based on our wide receiver core and knowing the, knowing the lack of pass pro, do we have any but? Anybody that is a true vertical threat. It feels like we can't stretch the field, or is it just our scheme? Man, that's a very uh, that, – there's just a lot of minutia that goes into that. There's a lot that yeah. goes into that answer. You know, it's it's not a yes or no. Um, there's just a lot that goes into it. Croc, what do you I, think? I'd say no, there's not a true um, vertical threat in the sense of – like Deshaun Jackson or, you know, Tariq Hill, somebody like that, that's like just a true stretch of field, take the top off defense, like receiver. Uh, there's not that. Terry McLaurin, D- DK Metcalf, it's not that. But there are guys that can stretch the field. Now, that's not going to be the thing that they are known for, and you probably won't see it often. But, uh, there, you know, Ayuk and even Debo. Debo can – Catch the ball downfield. The 49ers just, like he said, they, they, it just hasn't been something that uh, has been big in their offensive game plan. They don't just spread it out and air, air it out. Everything that they do is really calculated. It's calculated shots that they take downfield. If they wanted to use guys as more vertical threats and open up a little bit more, they have guys that could do it. They do. They have guys to do it. But that just, that's just not their offense. Kyle's a guy that he likes to um, design uh, plays that he feels will give him chunk plays. And he feels like it's a higher percentage. So instead of throwing uh, a go route that's, you know, they say 50-50, you know, ball, but it's even actually a lesser percentage than that. Instead of throwing that, um, even if you have a speedster, it's still a low percentage. He'll design plays like that play that was supposed to go to Kyle Juszczyk and, you know, uh, Mullins overthrew it, but that's a play that's going to give you 40 yards. So he just d- designs different ways of getting you the, the the same results, but with a higher percentage in his eyes. I know I kind of rambled on, but if that makes sense. No, no, it makes perfect sense. And if you didn't say that, that's what I was going to say. It's like Kyle Shanahan looks at – he doesn't look at, at deep throws. He looks at big plays. And he has so much confidence in his ability to draw plays that he'll look at whether it's a run or a certain type of play action pass or something, you know, any one of those Kyle Shanahan plays. He'll look at it and go, okay, here's 20 yards. Okay. Um, given what the defense is running right now, this should be about 30 yards. You know, he knows all that. Absolutely. He knows that his his play has a higher chance of going 30 yards than a 30-yard pass. And so that's what he does. Now, there are still other reasons to take deep shots, you know, and what it what it does to the defense is and keeps them honest. And the 49ers still take deep shots. They're just not out there chucking the ball downfield like the Texans or, 
you know, the Chiefs or, you know what I mean, where, where you've, right. you've just got these, you know, or even the Seahawks where you've got these crazy broken plays and the quarterback's just like, woo, let's do it. And, and obviously the Seahawks are a unique example because Russell Wilson's just been on fire. But, you know, and he's always thrown one of the best deep balls in the league. But it, it, Kyle Shanahan has his own way of, of gaining yards and, and making plays. And I think Crocker right. illustrated that very well. I don't even need to be talking right now. I'm going to move on. Um, Sean Engel, at Old Man Engel. If Jimmy G isn't 100%, can the Niners risk putting him in behind the line is really suspect right now? My answer is yes and no. Like, no, you don't want to put him out there if he's if he's not anywhere near 100%. Like, if he's obviously still kind of like favoring that ankle and he just doesn't look great, then no, they're not going to put him out there. Even if the line was playing pretty good and he was obviously not okay, then they're not going to put him out there. Now... Is he going to be 100% when they eventually put him out there? Probably not. It's that's, but that's, that's football. Like there isn't a player on that field right now that is at a hundred percent. They, they're all hurt in their own way. There's just injuries you can play through and injuries you can play through. And football is just that type of game. So I do think that Jimmy Garoppolo will be put out there. And when he does, he won't be at a hundred percent, but he's, if he's obviously not operating at a, at a level where it's at least masked by his ability, then I don't think he has any business being out there. Yeah, and I agree. The the one thing I will say is with the injury he had, you 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 can't really make it worse. It you know it would just be like, you know, say if he's not like a hundred percent, it would be more like a pain tolerance thing. So like you know, so like you said, if he's just out there and he's playing at a you know really good level. Um, like we saw with the Jets, he's definitely not that hampered right now. But where he's able to, you know, manage it and play through it, if if it's a situation like that, then you know, yeah, you kind of you just let him play. Right. Not saying like you know that, but I'm just saying like you know if they like if he feels a little something to where it's like oh, I'm not 100 percent on this ankle, but he's still you know very functional, then yeah, you play him. Yep, I got you. Um... Uh, Sonal Mekwan, Mekwan, hopefully I said that right, at Sonal underscore Mekki. If Sanu wasn't cut, who would you cut, Crocker? Or would you cut Sanu? Trent Taylor. Yeah, that's that's hard to argue with. Haven't haven't gotten anything out of him. Um, I don't think he's any type of real factor outside of being, you know, a punt returner. Um, I think he gives you... You know, out of all the guys, I think he has, like, the least to look forward to, I guess you would say. Um, So, yeah, it it would be him. And I like him and nothing against him. I'm just, you know. Yeah, I mean, we we saw how good he can be. But, I mean, he just hasn't really had a role in this offense. So, I I think he's somebody that, that you just let go. And maybe you get to bring him back on the practice squad. Maybe you don't. But uh, I mean, my answer was gonna be gonna be like Debo Samuel, but I, I kind of reconsidered. Um, Rory Rory Roberidge, <laughs> Rory Roberidge, at yeah, I was I was joking. At Bad Rory Roberidge, do you think the 49ers will make any moves to improve the pass rush besides waiting for reinforcements to come back in Week Seven? No, I do not. 
Uh, I think that they're probably, unless something is absolutely imperative and there is someone out there that is just screaming their name, I don't think they make any more moves. I, I don't really think they have that high of opinion of what's available out there. And I think that, you know, week seven isn't that far off. You're going to have Ronald Blair, um, who's a very respectable edge rusher. We'll see what kind of what kind of shape he's in, uh, you know, and how he recovered from that torn ACL. You also have Julian Taylor, who's kind of like a, um, a D-tackle, D-end type of guy. He can give you an impact there. Um, I think they're going to wait for that and try to just gut it out with who they got. Um, I don't know, Crocker. What do you think, man? Um. I mean, again, they've, they've created tremendous depth um, at most positions, whether it's young guys or, you know, just some veterans and stuff. So I I can't see – and, again, we've talked about before, like anybody that's going to be available via trade, typically you're, you're not going to really just see an edge rusher or somebody like, you know, because that, that would be the only thing that I would really trade for. It's like, damn, we don't got no Nick Bosa, so we'll trade for somebody. But even then, you're not going to – who, who, who's going to be available that's going to be good enough to kind of do, play in that role? And is it going to be somebody that you have to resign? You know, yeah. There's just too much that goes into that. So, I, I just, I can't see it happening. Uh, oh, maybe a guard. Yeah, I, I could, could see them possibly uh, trading for a guard if it, if the position just continues to be as bad as it is. I think they would give up draft capital before. But again. You likely be trading for somebody that you would have to resign. Most guys that get traded, they typically are either in the last year of their contract or disgruntled, or you know anybody that's going to be like an impact player. Right, and if and if they're not one of those two things, you're way overpaying for right. somebody to part ways with a guy like that during the middle of a season. Like, it just doesn't really happen too often. Um. Anthony Rios at Ant underscore Rios three three three. Things aren't looking good. Our D line isn't and won't be close to what it was last year. What I think needs to happen for us to have a chance to reach the bowl again are the following: all DBs return and play lights out, and Jimmy G returns to 2017 form. I think it's plausible. Thoughts? Well, I don't think Jimmy G needs to return to 2017. I think 2019 is fine. I thought he was pretty good last year. Obviously. Did enough for the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl. And there were three or four games in there that were Jimmy, were, you know, Jimmy G putting us in his backpack, you know, and leading us to a win type win. So I think he was pretty good last year. You know, every quarterback's going to have their bad games. So, um, and yeah, I think DB's returning and playing lights out is, is a huge factor. But, you know, there's, there's, you can only cover for so long. I don't know, Croc, you got any, you got any other ways of looking at that? Yeah, I think the I think the pass rush is serviceable. Um, I think they're just more on par with what's more like around the league and not as dominant as last year. So I, like I don't think they're terrible. They did have five sacks on Sunday, uh, on Sunday night. Uh, one was kind of a gimme, but they they are active. Obviously, they you know you would like to see them finish a little bit more. But when you just watch them, if you didn't know who they were and you just look at the defensive line. They do kind of get after it. So, you know, and I, again, it's definitely not last year's, but they they play well. Um, even last year, when you think about kind of down the stretch, the defensive line wasn't playing great, and the 49ers still found ways to win. So, 
that's really what it comes down to. You just have to, you know, find ways to win. And a lot of times it was Jimmy Garoppolo making some key throws. Right. Yep. It's 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 not going to look how, how it looked last year, but that doesn't mean they can't do it. Um, J Mill five three. If the Niners miss the playoffs, picking top eighteen, I believe, and Miami ends up with the number one pick, would you guys be willing to give up draft capital to move up to number one? for the right to draft Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence and move on from Jimmy if that trade was available. What would you give up? I would not make that trade because it would cost you probably if the 49ers were anywhere near the middle, that would probably cost them like three first round picks. Like that's such a huge jump for a prospect that everybody knows is getting picked there for the most part. There's some other quarterbacks that have looked good. Um you know what I mean? Like, like it would just it would be so expensive for them to do that, and the 49ers are in a position to give up that kind of draft capital. They need those picks so they can remain under the salary cap. There's all kinds of things, I, and I don't think Trevor Lawrence is worth that kind of. I don't know. He is really good, but I don't think he's worth just this this. I don't know. Garbage bale full of draft picks. I, okay, I'll say this. If 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 you're just saying, well, trade up to, to get him, I will say he is worth it. Uh, my biggest issue with him, just kind of watching games, I was I watched a lot of T. Higgins, um, like scouting him or whatever for my stuff. But um, I watched a lot of T. Higgins, and I thought there were times where Trevor Lawrence was a better runner than passer. And he was more like Cam Newton than people really think. But I thought this year he's kind of come out and – it, the ball looks much better coming out of his hands. Maybe he doesn't feel like he has as much pressure because, you know, he came off freshman year winning a national title. And then going into year two, maybe he put a lot of pressure and expectations on himself. I think I heard him say he doesn't feel pressure because he has, like, God with him or something like that. Um, and I didn't mean that in a mocking way, but he just said something like that. But um, it looked like, you know, it just looked a little weird coming out of his hand. He was off. Um, underthrew a lot of passes, but he had some receivers that really bailed him out. And then you saw in the game against Ohio State, it it was a lot tougher on him. And he actually like won the game because he was just so good with his legs. So um he is but this year he's looked really good out the gates. Thought he's looked tremendous as a passer. Looks like a uh he definitely surefire number one overall pick. And he is way more athletic than I think people really think. They think of him as a passer, but dude's more like, I don't want to say Josh Allen because Josh Allen has his big arm, but he's he's really athletic. He is athletic. No, I, think, I think Josh Allen's a great comparison. I mean, the ball might travel 10 yards less, but I mean, they, they, they play very, very similar. Yeah. Um, now, I say all that to say, no, I would I, I would trade up in the sense of you have your quarterback. I, I get it. it. It might cost you three first-round picks, but – I got my quarterback for the next 14 years or whatever. You think and he, you do. Well, you think you do. And he has elite, he does have like an elite talent, elite skill set, and it seems like he's well, very well grounded. But I would not do that if it were me. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it if I saw the 49ers do it. But what I would do is I would hang tight and I would see if Mac Jones is available in the 10 to 12 range. And if it is a quarterback that I want to trade up for, it's probably him. And I think he is the more Kyle Shanahan type quarterback coming out again. Now I haven't really like watched him super closely, but just watching the quarterbacks and some of them that are coming out, he seems like the more Kyle Shanahan one. And 
he's like the uh, the guys we kind of have, but he's a higher level of that. You know what I'm saying? Higher, big arm, can throw the ball downfield. Um, I see him make all the throws over the middle. He he throws a beautiful deep ball. Like he's somebody I think probably should get more love, but so many people are just like, oh, Trey Lance, uh, Lawrence, uh, Fields, but. Mac Jones, man, from Alabama, dude's pretty good. So I know I give a long ass answer. No, that's that's a great answer. That's what the people respect. Okay, we're officially moving over from my questions to Crocker's questions. Okay, so we're moving. Will Jimmy G start Week Five from Richard Antunes at Richard Antunes Nine? Uh, what was the question again? Will Jimmy G start this week? Um, I'm like sixty four. Oh. Yes. I'm like. 90, 10, yes. Once, once he's all oh, he, you know, he's a limited participant, but it's been something where, like, I mean, I thought he could have been played. Um, I mean, dude was standing on the sideline on what was supposed to be a really bad ankle. Uh, typically, you wouldn't see that. They'd have him up somewhere, kind of sitting with his, you know, feet kicked up. That wasn't the case. Past two games, he's standing on the sideline. So I'd say, yeah, I'm like 90, 10, like he, he's playing. Okay. So, I mean, there's a couple of yeses. If you combine ours, you get like 75, <laughs> 75, 25. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a good, there's a good ratio for you. This guy's Twitter, not his handle, but his Twitter name is shut your bitch ass up before I get talking shit about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I've right. Seen him. I've seen All him right. Before. Okay. This question is from shut your bitch ass up before I get talking shit about you. I'm trying to see his full handle, but it won't. Okay. Hot boy. Hibachi, Hibachi, <laughs> whatever, man. Um, without the run game clicking, do this year's Packers scare you? This year's Packers will should scare everybody, and it's not because the 49ers run game isn't clicking. I still feel like the 49ers would probably do pretty well in that regard, but Aaron Rodgers is just playing out of his mind, and he's not even doing it with his best weapons. So I think the Packers are a better football team this year than they were last year. Do I still feel like the 49ers would have their number? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But, uh, you know, so much of, of, of that game was the 49ers pressure just constantly getting home and, and forcing Rodgers around. So I don't know. I don't know. What about you, Crocker? Do they scare you? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say scared. But, yeah, they're a really good football team. Like, I respect them. But I, I just feel like, you know, when 49ers are going to click, when when the 49ers get it clicking, like, they, they're going to be a scary team. So I just look at it like last year when the 49ers had to play the Saints. And it's just two good football teams going at it. And I've always respected the Packers. I mean, that was a team that I, going into this year, I picked going to the uh, going to the NFC Championship, and a lot of people thought I was crazy. And they were like, oh, the worst 13-3 and team ever. I'm just like, dude, like, they were 13-3, and first-year head coach, new scheme, got to get Aaron Rodgers to buy in. I expect them to be better and better than last year. Not saying that it would reflect that on their record. Maybe they're 12-4, and but – I thought that they would be really good this year. And a lot of people thought I was crazy, and I don't know why, but it looks like I was right. <laughs> now, I was wrong about the Eagles. I was like, oh, the Eagles going to be good. And they're like, shitty. Well, they beat the Niners, but they're not good. They're dealing with a lot of injuries. But, yeah, Packers, yeah, I thought they'd be good. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, Ryan Gross at Axis22. Will we see Tavarius Moore in a bigger role going forward? Um, why do you think he's asking that question, Croc? Do they think like maybe somebody's going to rotate down to fill K1 Williams' spot and more comes in? Like, 
I mean, what what has his how significant has his role been so far? He what, can you repeat the question? What kind of role do you do you see Tavarius Moore having a bigger role going forward? Uh, well, Ward got hurt, right? Something with his wrist. So I don't know if maybe this question is in reaction to that. Outside of that, I, I haven't really. I've noticed him on the field like a few times, but nothing like too crazy to where it's like, oh, he's just had a role. So I, I would have to wait and see like how they use him. Unless Ward is out, you know, I do expect him to definitely um, kind of be in that type of role. Yeah, if Ward, if Ward is out, and misses time, which they haven't really alluded to that yet. Uh, then yeah, I would I would see Tiberius Moore stepping in there and, and being able to see what he can do. Um, how does a player like Ziggy impact salary cap? Are we out space for his two games? Um, the ones that he played, I, you know, I really don't know how that factors in. If his salary, once he goes on IR, just drops off or no matter what, I'm, I'm pretty sure he, he gets paid that money. So, um, yeah. usually it's like know, a split. So he, he might not get, he's probably not going to get the full amount of what he would have got gotten over the time he was with the 49ers, like whatever that was right. divided by, by the games, but you, you just get like a split of it. It's just right. not the full yes. amount. I mean, his total contract only accounts for one point three million in salary cap, so it's not a huge number, no matter what. It's, it's. I mean, unless you were really coming down to the wire, the money they save or don't save from him isn't isn't really going to make or break something. But, um, you know, that's, that's that's. I mean, it's a good question. It's worth looking into. I just don't know the percentage in which in what he keeps and what the 49ers will be able to shed from. Um, tag him and bag him at tag him and bag him. From a technical standpoint, what is the issue with O-line? Is it just inconsistency, or is it one guy, one plan? Is it one guy, one plan, another guy, a different play? Oh, one guy, one play, and another guy on a different play. You know, I'm not a big O-line guy. I I, I don't really – not that I dislike O-line, I just don't know the position well enough to be able to look at it and know what's going wrong because I don't know the calls. I don't know the assignments. I don't know which way the, the linemen are supposed to go on every play. From what I've seen, it just looks like a lot of guys, you know, getting beat, uh, you know, technique-wise. And, and uh, you know, I, I haven't really seen something where, you know, the offensive linemen have, have have messed up their assignments and there was a huge gap for somebody to just come on. Like, stuff like that, I have, I've seen less than guys just getting straight up beat. Um, so, I don't know. You, you seen anything different, Croc? I know you're not a big O-line yeah, guy either. I'd have to really watch. Like, if I was just watched it, I'd have more of an opinion. But I, I typically, you guys know me, I try not to talk too much about something without really being able to develop my own uh form my own opinion of it right and i don't i don't really and this is this is more of like something in life too like i don't have a problem saying i don't know something and i think that's a quality that a lot of people just especially on twitter like don't have like it's okay (laughs) to like not know like what's going on or the answer like you know it's just i don't know you know I i just just don't know it, it, you know, you got to have respect for the people that do know too. the amount of work they put into, you know, the O-line guys with technique and, and knowledge of the position. You know, if you, you have an O-line question, ask one of them there, you know, Brandon that I follow on Twitter, Brandon Thorne, he's always posting great clips and he's always replying to people. So hit him up, ask him, ask him. I know he's constantly watching the 49ers O-line. So um, Danny Bear at Danny the Bear. If you're Shanahan, how differently do you scheme the passing game depending on who is playing QB this week? You know, to be honest, now that I think about it, I think I don't think Shanahan 
I don't think he really necessarily has to scheme it differently for all quarterbacks because if you think about your backup quarterbacks, you want to scheme up easy plays, shorter completions, build a rhythm, build some confidence, make it easy, make it as close to mistake-free football as you can make it. Whereas Jimmy's obviously way more competent as a football player and in, in, in this offense, but at the same time, he's probably playing on a little bit of an injured ankle. You don't want him sitting in the pocket for too long um, for anything to happen to that. So I think that maybe the scheme that Kyle Shanahan would approach the game with would be the same for all the quarterbacks, but it would be the same for like different reasons. Does that make sense, Croc? Yeah, and I'd actually even say, I feel like no matter what, he kind of, the game plan, I mean, does it seem to change too much to you? Like no matter who's that quarterback? I think for the no, most part, I mean, he has guys that, you know, all these guys have been, well, yeah, they've all been there since 2017. So they all know the offense fairly well. I think he keeps all of them because he's fairly confident that either one of them can step in and run the offense. Now, the efficiency might drop off a little bit, but I don't think he scales back on what he does because, well, the only way he'd scale back on it is if a guy just hasn't had any reps. Then he might try to really simplify it. But if you're talking about, okay, we know Jimmy's not going to play this week and we got to go with C.J. Beathard, I would assume that it's gonna, it would be similar to what he would typically do. A lot of play action, quick passes, slants, things to get the ball at the quarterback's hands, which he does with Jimmy Garoppolo as well. Right. Yep. I like that. Yeah. It's kind of, I, I just, I don't see them having to change much. It's just, you know, they, they're all, they're all good. And, and, you know, we've, we've seen, you've seen it. It's just a more, more of a matter of, of decision-making kind of separates them probably. Um, A.A. Ron at burn unit. Do you think Niners will struggle to get consistent pressure when facing good O-lines? Uh, yeah, but I think that's, I think everybody's going to struggle to get consistent pressure against good O-lines. You know, like, they're good O-lines. That's that's what they do. Yeah, you know? I think the thing that's the, the biggest thing is just not having – remember when the 49ers, you know, 2018, and, you know, you got Cassius Marsh and those guys out there, like, you just didn't have any finishers. And I think that's what the bigger issue is. Like, when you're missing D Ford and Nick Bosa, especially with how active Nick Bosa is and how much Nick Bosa changes games, like – you're going to struggle. Like, you're, you're going to struggle to just, no matter who you're playing against. Now, when you have Nick Bosa and you have D Ford, then, yeah, you're going to be more successful. And even those guys against tough offensive linemen might not be as, you know, uh, you know, as good as they typically would be, you know, if they're feasting on a bad line. But it, I don't think it – yeah, you, you don't have your guys. So you have to figure out different ways. And they have. They blissed. I'm pretty sure they blissed a lot more than what Solid typically does. So that might be his way of whether it's a good old line or a bad one or whatever, he's blitzing more. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's 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 really they've done a good job scheming up pressure and and, and finding ways to to collapse the pocket. And, and Crocker made a great point there when about the finishers. Like, and that's what you've seen that you saw against Carson Wentz. They still got a lot of sacks. But there were still plenty of plays where he was able to hang around just long enough to get that playoff and make an impact, and or you know move the pocket and throw it downfield, and and that's where guys like D Ford and Nick and Nick Bosa, who I mean, look at those guys and the way they're built. 
They are like nothing the 49ers have on the defensive line right now. They are finishers. They are thoroughbred pass rushers. That is what they do, and that's why nobody else on the team looks like them. Nick Bosa looks like a freaking G.I. Joe action figure. The dude has like a size 30 waist, but his shoulders are like 80 inches <laughs> apart. Like he's like there's just nobody else. Like pass rushers are without a doubt the freakiest athletes on an NFL team because they're these big dudes that are still like 6'3, 6'4, but they're lean, they're athletic, and they just like they they're the dudes that you see walking down the street and you're like, God damn, you know, like. They're just freaky guys. And you you mm. look at the 49ers defense now, and sure, Eric Armstead's still a really freaky dude. Trust me. I've never felt like a smaller human being than when I've got to like interview that guy. But, you know, you can just look at the line and know that they don't have those guys. So it's it's a more of a fabrication of pressure. And to his credit, like you said, I give Rob Asala credit for because right now it seems like the 49ers are still getting good pressure. Um it's just, you know, against good offensive lines, it's going to be less. And you better hope the guys downfield are, are doing their job. That's just that's just the way it works. Um, last one. This is it. Another question from A.A. Ron. Why did Mike McGlinchey come back this year leaner and apparently weaker? I don't remember him being pushed around this much in the past. Well, Crocker, I'll let you hit this one because you did that little stretch of studying for the Scouting Academy where you actually looked at Mike McGlinchey last year, didn't you? Yes. Uh, he He's just a little stiff, and he's, like, really tall. And I think him being so tall, I think it kind of, like, works against him sometimes, like, especially with leverage, right? So, you know, uh, low man wins in football. Everybody knows that. Well, when you're 6'8 or 6'9, whatever he is, it's really hard to be the low man. And sometimes, guys, when they just bull rush him, they're underneath his pads, and it really kind of pushes him – um, onto his toes and he loses all his leverage and power. I'm assuming, right? I'm just like, just from what I watch. Um, also, he doesn't really move well in space unless it's like in a straight line. If he can straight run in a straight line and get you, he's really athletic and really good in that way. If he has to like change his course at all, it looks really bad. So that's another kind of issue that he deals with. Uh, I, I think it has to do more with his body. And it's not just him. Like, I see it at the cornerback position. When you're a taller guy, it's harder to guard shorter receivers because for every two steps that they take, you only take one. So while they're putting their foot in the ground to change direction, you're still trying to get that other foot over. And it just kind of makes it a little bit harder to change direction and stuff just based off how your body is. It seems to be – it seems like McGlinchey – has some of those same mistakes. He's like overly tall for his position. You do see guys six six five, you know, six four. Like Joe Stady's like a six four, six five guy. That's probably a little bit more ideal. Once you start getting big, like six seven, remember the big issue with Trent Brown. Trent Brown's like six seven dude. Well, oh, he wasn't really good in the run blocking and stuff like that. And you know, he was really good in pass protection because it was hard to get around him. But McGlinchey, he just I think he's just so tall, man, and he just kind of loses his power and his leverage, uh, and that might be why you see him get pushed around a little bit. I can't right. – I don't and say that uh, definitively, but just kind of kind of using what I know, I think that, that could be some part of the issue. Well, I mean, even a player like DeForest Buckner it happened to all the time. Like, he was obviously a great player who, who still was – you know, even into his second, third year, he was still working on improving his leverage – because he was six eight, 
you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't very hard for an offensive lineman to get underneath him if, if they needed to. Um, so that pad, working on a pad level was something that, that challenged him throughout his, his career. And it still will. It's just a, like Crocker said, it's a matter of tall guys. So, um, and now obviously DeForest Buckner is an elite football player, but it's just the emphasis on that part of the game has to be so much more than other people who don't have that problem. You know, it's, you can still be an incredibly good player, but there's just one more challenge in front of you that you have to constantly adapt to. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not an O-line guy, but uh, I, I don't really know why McGlinchey seems to be struggling. The one thing I do know, though, is given his personality and what he seems like, if, if it's something he can immediately work on and improve, I guarantee you he's already doing it. He just he just seems like that type of guy that probably wouldn't really want to go to sleep until he, he figured out what the hell was going on. Um, but that's it. That's the end of our questions. Good shit, Croc. Nice. Yeah, good shit, man. Hey, I appreciate all you guys. I know. Yeah, you, I mean, you, yeah, yeah. You opened that up with a bang, man. It was it was impossible for this podcast to go wrong after an opening rant like that. Like that just, I mean, that just set the hype level so high. Uh, also, I am the only one that can call him Robert Newton Louder the Fifth. So, you know, you guys, he's still robbing you guys. With that. <laughs> Don't be coming at me with that on Twitter. I mean, I know you're going to do it anyways, but it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I am, uh, that is my full name. I am Robert Newton Louder the Fifth. My dad, it's my dad's name. It's my grandpa's name. It's my great grandpa's name. It's his dad's name. So it went on for a while. I don't even know why. Like, that's not that cool of a name. You know, why did you, you choose? Know, if you have a son, are you going to name him the sixth? It's kind of well, like I can't, to, huh? I, I can't be the one that stops it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's obviously, it has to be okay with my significant other. You know, it's a, it's a decision made by both of us, but sh- she'll be okay with it. I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you. So, um, but yeah, I mean, pressure's on. I'm, I'm 35. I still haven't had kids yet, but it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Anyways, if you need tips? I can, I can help you. Out. <laughs> yeah, I, I have mean, enough kids, so I, I, I can right. tell you all about how to do it from experience. <laughs> from experience. Well, this will be uh, our, our our first episode of Striking Gold After Dark. Will be Eric Crocker <laughs> teaching Rob Louder how to have kids. Um, so tune in, guys. Tune in. But uh, anyways, I appreciate everybody still listening, especially when we get to this bullshit. Um, thank you for all the questions. Without those questions, we can't do this episode. So I appreciate everybody contributing and making it to where, you know, this is usually our longest episode of the week because you guys ask a lot of questions. So it's awesome. I appreciate it. The podcast had a really, really good month uh, last month, basically our first month doing this four week stuff. Things went great. Um, and and we can't, can't thank you guys enough. But just keep, you know, if you enjoy it, you know, leave a, a review on whatever site you listen to it on iTunes, you know, drop those five stars, leave some positive words, um, spread the word. If you, if you know a Niner fan that wants to listen to some podcasts, then, then send them our way. And, and you guys have been doing that and I appreciate it, but, um, that's it for us for another week. This is striking gold. No, not another week. Cause we're not another week anymore. We're daily. We're going to be back on here again tomorrow, previewing the 49ers matchup against the Dolphins. So, for another day, this is Striking Gold, signing out. Peace! The wait is finally over. Football's back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. Game spreads, totals, to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. 
You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, support striking gold. Use the code BETONLINE, your online sportsbook experts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.